Um, uh, so I wear contacts, and one of the things with contacts is you have to get your prescription changed every now and then. And I went in, it was like in August, I believe, of last year, and I went in, and they did my little test. And you know how if you do the eye test, they show the letters and they get really small as you get to the bottom? And I got to the point where normally I think it's really dumb and I can figure it out. And I try to memorize them like right beforehand. And I could not get any of them. Like no matter how big or small they were, I couldn't get them at all. And it got to the point where the girl in there was laughing at me because I just could not get any of them right. I felt like an idiot. And I uh, went in there pretty cocky. It turns out my vision for whatever reason in the past year has gotten just way worse. I don't know what changed. I don't know what happened, but it got way worse. So what they ended up having to do was increase my prescription. But this is what was weird is apparently my right eye got way worse than my left one. So what they had to do was make the right eye really, really strong. And then the left one stronger, but not nearly as strong as the right eye. So I would leave and I walked out of there and I thought I was blinded because I'm seeing like two different things. So like in this side, everything's huge. and this side, everything's really small. And I was panicking. Like I was driving and I, I couldn't see anything. It was horrible. So I called him and I complained. And I was like, I think y'all messed this up because I cannot see. Like it's, everything's blurry. It's really frustrating. I cannot tell who people are. And they're like, you're just gonna have to wait like two weeks. And if it does, if it's still bad, you can go back in. So there was like this two week period where I couldn't see like anything. And I can, it's like people are blurry and whatever. But it turns out they were right. Then in about two weeks, I totally adjusted to it. And now I can see really, really well. I can see things that I could not see before at all. And I didn't realize that, I'll answer your questions after. I didn't realize that afterwards, uh, that before that, how bad my vision really was, that I had seen things wrong. And I tell you that story because in the same way as that vision changing, is that the gospel is supposed to do that when it comes to how we see life. That when we really believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead for our sins, that's supposed to give us new lenses through which we see the world. It doesn't happen overnight, just like the contacts didn't. It takes a while to grow. It takes a while to adjust. We still struggle. If you still struggle with sins, that's okay because I do too. I still struggle with things. I still fight things. The same things that uh, you fight with in seventh grade, those are battles that you have to fight the rest of your life. So whether that's lust or caring what people think, whatever it could be, those are battles you have to fight your life. And sometimes we, we fall back a little bit. But in the end, the gospel will grow us. It will change us. And one of the biggest things that it will do to change us is it will give us what I would call mission lenses. This is what that means. That every day when I wake up now, my mission is for God. It's going to change how I view the world. That when I wake up, I'm not just trying to serve myself and be selfish. I'm trying to serve the Lord and His purposes. That's what I'm going to try to start doing. But the problem with that is this, is that the world that we live in, I think you guys really see this at your schools, they tell you that what it means to be great is to be popular and successful at something. That's what our world tells us, especially at school. And having gone to HP, I see that every day. I saw it every day. I experience it every day. And even when I visit school lunches now, I just feel it. And I think y'all may be so used to it that maybe you don't, but it's so obvious to me that that's what's going on, is there's this desire for popularity and success and doing whatever we want to do to do it. And that same desire has really invaded churches today, where a reason that a lot of people go to church is only if it's fun. It's not bad to go because it's fun, but that's sometimes the only reason that people want to go. If it's comfortable, if I don't have anything else going on, then I'll go to that church or Bible study. 
And that's that same mentality. If I just want to be popular, successful, and comfortable, and I don't want to have to sacrifice for anything else. And I've told this story, but uh, Harvin and I joined a church, another one, this past week that we felt led to go to. And the only question they asked when I joined was, where do you want to serve? That's the only question they asked. They didn't ask, are you comfortable? How can we make you really happy here? Are you entertained? Are you having fun? The only question they ask is, hey, where do you guys think y'all want to serve? But uh, that's, it's interesting. Like that's when we go to church, we should go to be on God's mission. I'm going to answer your questions afterwards. So that's why we should go, is to be on God's mission, not to just have ourselves served. But that's really changed in our world today. So I want to ask this question, how do we fight that daily challenge? How do we fight that battle every day? When our world is telling you that being great means to be popular and successful. And if that means you've got to compromise what you believe in order to get there, then go for it. So that's what I want to tell you is how do you get there? So Mark 10, some of you did this memory verse today. Is There's a little passage going on. Christian did it as well. Yes, you did. You raised his hand. Is um, in Mark, the disciples have the same problem. And they're saying, they're arguing, they want to be great. And they're debating who is Jesus going to let be the greatest and most popular and most successful. And what Jesus tells them is he says, that's how everyone in the world lives. He says, the people in the world that are in leadership positions, they lord it over people, meaning they use their power and their leadership positions to treat people badly in order to get what they want. That's what they do. And you may or may not be in a leadership position, but when we go to school or when you do something else, it's easy to use everything you have for yourself. That's something that I struggle with also. And what Jesus says, that's actually not how we're supposed to do things. That if we really know him, that what we'll do instead of seeking our own interest is to what it means to be great is to actually be the first place servant, to be the best servant that there is, to maybe not get all the glory, to maybe not get all the attention, to maybe not worry about all that stuff. But when I go into school or wherever I go, my goal is going to be to serve others, not myself. I don't need all the attention. I don't need to be popular. I don't need to beat everybody. I don't need to put other people down to lift myself up. I need to take advantage of people. I can go and I'm free to serve other people, to put their needs ahead of my own. That's a very hard thing to do. At camp, the camp I worked at, I was in a leadership position. And I've, I think I've shown some of you this before. They give you this little necklace when you're done there. And on it, it says diakonos. That's a Greek word. It's actually the Greek word that Jesus uses right here when he says serve. The word diakonos means to serve. It's a servant is what it is. It's technically a bond servant, someone that serves other people. And Cody in the back, when I, we worked at camp together, and he was actually in my group that I was in charge of a little bit. So I could have, because I'm a leader, I could have bossed him around, I could have told him what to do and all that. But this reminded me that my job was to serve him, to put him in the best position he could to be successful, to listen to him, to encourage him. And his job was to do that for the campers that he had. That's how it was supposed to work. And in the same way, here, my job is not to tell y'all what to do and all that. My job is to serve you. That's what I am. My job is a servant, no matter what happens. That's my job. And that's what Jesus says to do. There's an interesting quote. I want to read this to you. This is what this guy named Dan Allender says. He says, A man must have a larger story to serve, or he will become a warrior for nothing other than his own pleasure. This is what he means. Is that if we don't have a story and a purpose bigger than ourselves that we're serving, then all we're going to do every day is try to make ourselves pleased. We're just going to go get our own pleasure. That's what we're going to be focused on if we're not living for something bigger than ourselves. So I just want to answer real quick, how do you do that? 
What does it actually look like to serve people today? And I'm not going to go through this like I've done for the younger grades, but I gave an acronym, and it's in the newsletter. You can take this with you, and it's SERVE, S-E-R-V-E. And every one of the letters, I made it stand for something else. So I'm just going to throw this at you real quick, and then if you want to talk more about it, we can, and then I'll end and we can hang out the rest of the time. But this is it. The S is just see the needs of other people. A lot of us, when we wake up, we are looking for our own needs. We want to serve our own needs. That's what we want to do. But Jesus says, no, no, when you wake up, it's a totally different perspective to be looking for what other people need and to serve them. That would change everything. If when we woke up, I, the first question I'm asking is, how can I serve other people? What are their needs? The E is encourage people. This is one of the biggest things, I think. I think, I don't know about y'all, but I'm guessing everyone in this room by someone at school has been discouraged at some point. Like maybe you've been made fun of, maybe you've been put down, or maybe you've heard it at your lunch table or locker room or something. But discouragement is the language of our day, really. People are discouraging, they're cutting people. And it's not bad to like mess with your friends a little bit, but we've all been in the position where it's gone a little far and we felt discouraged, right? And what it really means to serve people is looking for ways to be an encourager to people, looking for ways to build them up and to encourage them. The R is reach out. When you see a need. Yeah, it's the opposite of scourge, exactly. So the R is reach out. So it's really easy when we see a need to not really step up and do it. Or if we see someone by themselves or something like that, to not reach out. But the encouragement that I keep giving is even when you go to a restaurant, it's easy to think, oh, they exist to serve me. But it'd be pretty cool if instead of, you know, instead of that, I'm going to take this time to just ask them about their day. These people that are supposed to serve me. You'd be amazed at the impact that that'll have. I've seen incredible stuff happen when you just reach out to people that serve you and try to be friends with them. It's pretty amazing what happened. I was in IHOP. This was in high school. I just thought of this. And I remember sharing the gospel with this girl, just talking to her about her family, trying to be nice to encourage her. She just broke down crying when she told me her story. She was my server at IHOP. Had no idea that she was a single mom living with these kids. She could barely afford it. And she just needed to be encouraged. But it was all because I just was like, oh, I'm not going to treat her as someone that's just serving me. I'm just going to talk to her about her family. You'd be amazed at what happens when you do that. Uh, about that? Okay, I'll answer that. Go ahead. Okay, how do you ask her? Like, you just say, how's your day been? How's your life? That's a good question. So you just kind of have to be okay not like being awkward. So a lot of us are afraid to be awkward, but that's what I do. I just say, what's your name? Where are you from? Like, do you have kids? How did you get this job here? Like, it's amazing if you just ask people questions. People love talking about themselves. So yeah, so I just started asking questions, and then like one question leads to another, and and that kind of thing. So that's a great question. Yeah, that's how that works. The V is to value other people. And if you see everyone that you talk to as someone that God created, that you really value them as someone that God loves and created specially, like this person, because God made them, can bless me. They have something to offer. I can learn something from them. It would change how you interact with every person, even people that you think are weird. And the last one is this. This is example setting. This is setting the example for other people. One of the best ways to serve people is to not be afraid to live differently, to set an example. I think a huge issue that we all struggle with is if we look at our lives, a lot of us, what we say we love, which is the Lord, and how we live don't always add up. That happens to me. And you may have had something like that happen where you're like, I said something up there, I did something there. That does not line up with what I say I believe. And we do that all the time. We struggle with that. Now, the goal is the more and more we line those things up, that's serving people. That sets an example. And when we do mess up, which we will all the time, I mess up all the time. 
And some of y'all have seen me in settings where I have, like I've gotten mad or I've said something I shouldn't have said or something like that. And what I try to do in those settings is I try to ask for forgiveness. I try to admit that I was wrong. And that's one of the best ways to set an example is to not be perfect, but when you're not perfect, to own it and to go from there. So that's how you can serve people. If you want to talk more about that, uh, we can do that. But I just want to end with this. Your memory verse was this. It was, uh, it was about that Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to be a servant and to give his life as a ransom for other people. So how can we really live selflessly where we serve other people? This is what I'll end with. This is what's cool. That word there, Jesus says, that he came to give his life as a ransom for many people. What that word is this, is in that time, if someone owed a huge debt, like they did something wrong and they owed a debt, then what would happen is somebody could come in and pay their ransom, which means they would pay for that person's debt. So they would totally pay the price for them. They would take it and it would cost them everything. It wouldn't cost the person who was guilty anything. So what Jesus is saying is when I came to pay the ransom, he's saying that I came to pay a debt that nobody else could pay. So what he's saying is this, is that the ultimate way of serving is what he did, which was to lay down his life for us. That he took the nails, he bled to death, he was mocked and made fun of, he experienced all the attacks of hell, which if y'all were in my Bible study, we've talked about this, it wasn't just the physical pain. He's taking the spiritual torment of hell on the cross. That's what he's experiencing. That's what he's experiencing. He's experiencing God's anger towards sin being poured out on him. So it's not just the physical pain. It's way more. He is separated from his Father. He took all of that, all of that, the ultimate service for people like us that sinned against him. That's the ultimate way to serve. And when we really get that, when that really grips our hearts, then what we will want to do is to serve others because we'll realize that we have God himself's approval. He approves of us. He delights in us. He loves us. And he's the only one whose opinion matters. And when we realize that, we can wake up the next day and be like, I don't need to go get it from everyone else because I already have it. I'm free to give. I don't need to take. I can just give to other people. There was a cool story. There was this guy in the 1700s and he wasn't a Christian. He had tons of money. And he ended up spending all of his money on other people. When he died, he had no money left because he used it to serve other people. And the reason why that happened is because one day he went to this little art place and he saw a painting of Jesus with the crown of thorns up on the cross. And underneath it, this is what it said. I'm going to explain what this means. It says, all this I did for thee, what doest thou for me? And what he saw there is that Jesus was saying, I did this all for you. This is how I served you. How do you want to respond to that? You want to respond by serving others or by serving yourself? And that is the truth, that when we really get how Jesus served us in the gospel, it frees us up to go and serve other people. So hopefully that makes sense. It's a really cool way to live if we get that. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have plenty of time to see who can do this game. It'll be fun. Let me pray. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that uh, your son served us by coming and dying on a cross for us. And if we get that, Lord, and how much you approve us and delight in us because of that, uh, Lord, all we we'll want to do is serve others with our lives. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.